the show is about to start. It's about to start. Two guys that you can get as the season unfolded. I'm excited, and I know you're excited. Come on. This might cause a ruckus, but... Buy, sell mentality is something. The market, right? The dynasty market right now. Who knows, a couple hits away from exploding into dust. Ballers. Until he hurts his back, and then I'll like him after he gets back from hurting his back until he hurts his back again. The position that I hoard. I move. My brain works on 12-team super flex, so I'm right there with you. That's just the way I think. I've traded ballers for him. It's not because he's so great. It's just because he's so free. <laughs> he ain't doing anything. The worries are warranted, but I'm still buying. Pump the brakes. I thought about it. I'm pumping the brakes. Giovanni Bernard and his mustache. They're in panic mode. The Dusty War Show. The Dusty War Show. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Dynasty Wire show. After a brief hiatus, we are kicking the tires on this thing again and getting this boat running. I'm excited, and I know you're excited. We have a lot of Dynasty content to come, and we also have some Debbie stuff to talk about in the future shows. You can probably expect a revamp of the show for the most part. It's going to be fun time. Uh, listener leagues, all that good stuff are back, prizes. So stay tuned. But I am first and foremost going to welcome everybody back to this show to get right back into the mix with y'all. Leading you to championship gold, right? We spark up in the off season and sail to that championship in season. This is going to be a blast. With me today, I have someone who does share the same opinions as me and also goes against some things that uh, regarding dynasty fantasy football. He is also someone who is working for Sleeper Wire now, editing and producing shows. I've listened to a few of his products so far, and I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. So I like to associate myself with people who know what they're doing, right? Listeners who know what they're doing as well. And I... I kind of want to jump right into things. Today, we're going to kind of hit buys and dynasty and what exactly you're doing in a few tricky situations. Um, when now, long term, because you know, obviously, we're, we are always win now, but we're also rebuilding in the background to where we never have to go full blow up the house, rebuild it mode. So without any any further, you know, dragging out this process, I'm just going to welcome my boy, Iowa, to the show. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me on, DG. Yep, this is Iowa. The real world calls me Nick. Been doing uh, Dynasty for a while, been a passion of mine for a long time. Uh, a lot of my interests and passions in life correlate to uh, my love of Dynasty from uh, uh, various courses taken. Came in as computer science and switched to physical education. I wrestled for a long time and coached for a few years after that. The passion for uh, how people think and why they do what they do uh, led me a uh, change to psychology. And l- my last change has been to business as I've been a pawnbroker since 2009. I've held just about every position a pawn shop has to offer. Buy, sell mentality is something that's just ingrained in the way I think and, and what I do. There's uh, certainly parallels you can draw to the fantasy world from that. Through my 20s, facilitated the creation of music, and this summer I was given the opportunity to edit and produce shows for Sleeper Wire. Got an opportunity, and uh, here I am today with DG. The Sleeper Wire Network supports charity. Used to be Lyme disease, which my sister was one of the first diagnosed cases of Lyme disease in my area. So finding that out after the fact, yep, awesome group of people. Yeah, thanks for having me on, DG. 
it came to fruition. So I'm very excited for the future. And I'm very excited for, I mean, first and foremost, this show today. This show today is going to be great. Great welcome back show to listeners and new listeners as well. The first thing I want to jump right into is the market, right? The dynasty market right now. Um, we are at the tail end of rookie drafts. You know, some people are still doing their Debbie drafts because college season doesn't start till a little bit later. But dynasty only today, the dynasty market. I got to win a championship this year. Who am I buying? Okay. A lot of people say the, you know, cliche. Everybody has a price. I am a firm believer of, and I'm going to get your opinion on this in a bit, but I'm a firm believer that there are guys I can't, I can't move. Like if I own a, uh, if I own Lamar Jackson and it's a two QB league, super flex league, I ain't moving him because I know the uh, the risk of moving him is greater than the reward of what I'm going to get back, right? I mean, that guy is a game breaker, period. And you can start two quarterbacks, so he could be in my flex forever. I'm keeping him just because of his mobility. I mean, he gives you an RB1, QB1 floor. He's just prime, I cannot sell candidate. A guy like uh, T. Higgins, right? A guy like T. Higgins. I'm not selling because I think the best is yet to come, especially with everybody buying the hype on Jamar Chase and you able to get T Higgins for like a high second round pick and a throw in player. I mean, come on. I traded Ronald Jones straight up for T Higgins yesterday. <laughs> that that was a beautiful, beautiful deal. In my opinion, I've traded Miles Gaskin for T Higgins. I mean, I've sold in the running back market, right? It's really volatile. So I've sold on some guys who are getting a little bit hype or who got a break in the draft for guys like T Higgins for uh, Miles Gaskin. I've bought him for a guy like um, a guy who I'm talking about today, Irv Smith, right? I had good depth, but I do believe Miles Gaskin can give good return for you this year. But it's all about how the market's moving, right? The price is right, technically. I'm going to stick to my ground. I'm going to say there's guys that can't move. I can't move Lamar Jackson. I can't move my boy, Miles Sanders, no matter the hate that he gets, I just can't move my guy. That's my boy. And I will never, ever, I've had him since he came into the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins is fermented on my roster. He's going to age like fine wine, and he's going to be there until he dies. Even if he retires, he's going to be on the roster. So I want to switch the floor to you. Tell me, how do you feel about players in Dynasty and the market? Are you willing to sell anybody and everybody, or are there guys that are just untouchable for you? Well, you said it right. I will sell anyone for the right price is cliche. The first thing you see in the group chat when you put somebody on the block. I'll sell anyone for the right price. When you're not necessarily like sentimentally attached to various players, it makes it a lot easier to wear like, oh, this is my only share of such and such, you know, I don't want to move them. I'm willing to move whoever for whatever, as long as I can make it make sense. When it comes to a guy like Lamar Jackson, there's going to be very few situations where I can make it make sense. I mean, if I have Mahomes and Herbert, would I be willing to sell Lamar to fix another spot on my team? I mean, like, how often do you have those three quarterbacks on a team? Not very often. So not very often may you be able to make it make sense. But I just like to approach any trade negotiation where, you know, technically no one's off the, uh, you know, table until you start actually looking who's on the other team and whatnot and what possibilities are there. So if I could make it make sense, I'm willing to trade anyone. But uh, sticking with uh, QBs in general, you might find someone that advises you to say like Tom Brady is a discount QB one. You can get him for this year. I'm typically not buying that type of player until halfway through the season when... Because he's a skeleton. Right. But I mean, like if he's healthy halfway through the season and you're quarterback two goes down and you need to make a move 
that rebuild team definitely wants to get rid of Tom Brady. So typically I'm targeting old guys on rebuild teams halfway through the season if I need to make a, a repair on the, the older discounts where you got like Ben Roethlisberger and Fitzpatrick and Tom Brady where these guys are discounted as far as their value, but uh, they could be valuable assets on the way to trying to win during the year. It's just not a player I'm trying to buy at this point in the season. Like if I'm rebuilding, would absolutely love to have Mac Jones. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would love, I would love Mac Jones. I think he is the, um, he's the perfect buy, really. In rookie drafts, I've traded back just so I, I know I can get him. Let's see. You got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, all go before him. You have Najee Harris. You have Travis Etienne. You have Jamar Chase. Okay, I'm sitting at a pick 108, and I get a QB one for Dynasty eventually. That's an easy buy for me. One guy I want to touch on. You kind of said, I guess, how you buy quarterbacks in their age. One strategy I use is I use the real trade market to gauge who I'm buying at a time. So example, Matt Stafford and Jared Goff got swapped, right? As soon as that hit, I sent out about 10 offers for Matthew Stafford. A, because I love Georgia football. And B, because, I mean, it screamed by, I did let the market adjust to it. I wanted to get anybody and everybody who was going to impulse sell on them. Okay. That's it, period. Because Matthew Stafford has been a little injured the past couple years. Jared Goff, I think he sucks, but as Jared Goff and the Lions have no one, have <laughs> no one at receiver. So he has DJ Hawkinson, right? I do things like that. Carson Wentz, I bought him one place only because I was desperate for a quarterback. Bill Burrow, you're going to hear later on. That's somebody I'm targeting, especially in rebuilds. I'm targeting him because he is off an of injury. He's a year two quarterback, had a pretty promising final college football season. That Bengals offense is one of the best in the league skill-wise, in my opinion. I mean, I, I really cannot think of any receiving core that is better than Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, now in future-wise, plus Joe Mixon. I mean, they're lacking an elite-level tight end. C.J. Uzama isn't anything. Drew Sample is blah. Come on, that's a, that's a screaming buy to me, but I haven't seen anybody really buying them. Rebuilds, I'm targeting the lesser of the rookie quarterbacks, the Zach Wilsons, the Mac Joneses, even the Keelan Mott's. Keelan Mott has a very intriguing profile. I mean, in Minnesota, you have a guy like Kirk Cousins that really is just an old man. Keelan Mond did a lot of interesting things in college. Uh, I think given the opportunity, a few years to learn, I think he could be a steal in your rookie drafts right now. So that's why I'm bringing Rebuild. I'm also... Taking a shot on guys that I've beat the table for, like my boy Sam Darnold. I love Sam Darnold. I mean, if anybody can turn his career around, it's Joe Brady, right? If anybody can do it, it's the offensive guru that is Joe Brady, who made Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel both relevant and DJ Moore. He kind of transformed that offense within a year. I'm taking a shot on Sam Darnold right now in like all my leagues. Every single league I don't own him, I've tried my hardest to own him. And some people know how I feel about him, so they try to squeeze everything out of me. And then they make stop negotiations. But Sam Darnold is going to get sacked a lot. So he's not good in something like the Scott Fishbowl or something with special scoring. I think long-term he could play out. I mean, they picked up his fifth-year option for a reason. They do view him as being more than a one-year stopgap guy. One other guy I'm doing in rebuild, and I'm going to give you a give you an explanation on this interesting name on your list, is... Um, Jordan Love in the non-Aaron Rodgers phase of Packers offseason. Mr. Checkdown, Captain Checkdown to A.J. Dillon. Everybody was like, A.J. Dillon's going to have 70 targets this year because all Jordan Love does is check it down to him whenever he panics. Well, the guy has to learn. Jordan Love, he had high upside, but high risk to him. 
I do think that he can eventually be a, a viable starting fantasy option, but it takes time. He had to have learned a lot from Aaron Rodgers. He had to. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, whatever you feel about him is fine, but guy can play ball. Guy can do his damn job. Jordan Love has had to have learned some things from him. So getting him right now after negative press and getting him while he's not even the starter, while he might not even be the starter next year, he could still one day be the starter. Right now you're getting him for a nickel, okay? Would you rather get him for a nickel? Would you rather get him for 50 bucks, right? It's the difference in the market that can change at the drop of a dime. I mean, we saw Aaron Rodgers almost retire I can't help but to think that Devontae Adams convinced him for one more year. After this year, it's all a bunch of questions. Why not take a chance on Jordan Love right now where he isn't a starter and people are trying to get rid of him because of the offseason news? I definitely understand the uh, the love buy. He's still taxi eligible in a lot of leagues, so you can buy him, slide him down to taxi, and then forget about him until next year, and then potentially have at least the Packers starter, which they you know they trade up in the first round. You think this guy's going to at least get his shot at some point. Even if he isn't being the greatest, he's going to have his shot. And like you said, you can buy him for a nickel now where by the time next year rolls around, they say he's the starter, he's a dollar. Starting back with uh, what you said with Stafford, I like him as a buy as well. And like you said, you bought the dip. There was the trade. It occurred. Suddenly, Goff and Stafford swapped, and there were probably people that panicked with Stafford. If you can buy the panic, then that's a that's a buy window. For me, I looked at Stafford going to the Rams as an upgrade. He's got uh, the best wide receiver pair that he's had in a while. He was supposed to have Cam Akers, which obviously he still is just going to be haunted by the terrible run game to play next to. The rest of the team is there. They paid to get him, which makes me think that this guy's going to have at least another season after this one. So if you're buying somebody and you're trying to win now and in the future, if you're targeting uh, 22 as your your year to win, Stafford is uh, likely still to have value at that point. Who else did you speak on? Uh, Burrow. He threw a tremendous amount of times last year before he got hurt. There's definitely a lot of targets to go around. Higgins is also one of the guys I'm targeting because his value fell in many eyes as soon as they took Chase, when in all reality, there's no reason it should have fallen. He still should be able to do exactly uh, what you thought he could do. It's just, it might even be easier now. They lost AJ Green. That was over 100 targets. So, you know, you bring in Chase and maybe he gets uh, the, the same or more, you know. Uh, John Ross is gone. I don't know if there's a, a good reason to fade Higgins. Uh, obviously, being paired with Burrow is an awesome thing. And if Burrow can stay healthy, I have uh, no problems buying a Burrow. My only qualm would be that there's a lot of people that if they have Burrow, they're going to value him highly. He might be difficult to pry from someone, someone I'd love to have if you know the opportunity presents itself. A sneaky buy. Uh, a lot of people aren't as high on. This guy's over 30. And honestly, this buy was a little bit easier before Julio Jones went to the Titans, but it's Tannehill for me. This is someone you would expect is probably going to put up QB1 numbers by the end of the year. And this is someone who is often taken around the 12th quarterback off the board. One of the uh, least pricey QB1s that you can find in a startup per chance. Also, someone you can acquire more cheaply than you might be able to acquire, like a Joe Burrow, which you would clearly rather have. But if you're shopping the discount bin, think Tannehill, there might, you might be able to take advantage of at least a little bit of a misprice. 
What about Deshaun Watson? Rewind a year ago. He's a top five dynasty asset. Two quarterback leagues, super flex. I don't know the situation. It's not my part to speak on it because I don't know all the facts, but speaking only football related, I mean, this guy right now, <laughs> some people are selling and you have a guy that is a top five super flex, two quarterback league asset, and you can get him for, if I could get him for Zach Wilson in a second, pulling the trigger all day, pulling it all day. If I can get him, if I could get him for T Higgins and I, if it's a super flex league and I'm dying for quarterback, I would move T Higgins and if I'm desperate because I think the reward is stupid high, if somehow he goes to the Eagles like is rumored, <laughs> I mean, good luck, Dallas Cowboys. You will never touch a championship if Deshaun Watson is on the Eagles. That's just my two cents. Are you uh, in the camp that you think he's going to play this year then? Or are you just approaching it from that perspective? I think he is going to play until he's not going to play. Basically, we saw that kicker a couple years ago who had like 30-something cases, played like six, seven games out of the whole year because the NFL drops the ball in all these investigations. They're so uneven with how they judge things. There's no consistency. Deshaun Watson is a star player. He's a face of a franchise for them. He's brought them millions upon millions of dollars. I think this could easily drag out. I think he can definitely play almost half, if not all, this season, and then it gets resolved in the offseason. So that's about where I'm at with it. I think absolute best case scenario um, is he gets moved to a new team and plays. I think there's probably a low chance that he plays another snap for the Texans. I don't understand how these kind of decisions are made. Uh, I don't really understand why he's not on the commissioner's exempt list, but he isn't at this point. He showed up to camp, which ensures that he's uh, securing some of the bag that uh, he's owed. If he gets moved to the Eagles, uh, I really hope they send Hurts because I have a whole lot of Hurts. But if he does get sent to the Eagles and he plays all season, I think that is the absolute best case scenario for what could occur. What I think is most likely is that one way or another, he's going to end up missing at least some of the games to begin the season. If something happens and changes, I, I just don't see him coming back to the Texans. So he's either going to be traded or he's not going to play this year. That's what I view as what is the most likely scenario. Worst case scenario, you know, he's arrested and he's out of the league and we never hear from Watson again. So there's always that little bit of baked in risk when you're buying a, a guy like Watson. At the same time, exactly like you alluded to, this guy was going in the first round of every startup before these allegations broke. The upside is as far high as an upside can get for a player. There's baked in risk there with uh, where he's kind of valued at this point. The upside is as high as anybody's upside can be. It's just, you know, the downside is about as low as anybody's downside could be. So has a, a wide range of outcomes, at least looking at this season's perspective. Looking 22 and forward, I don't think there's any way he sits out this entire season for the Texans and isn't on a new team next year. So I think you can always look at it with the backstop that even if the worst case scenario happens and this guy doesn't play all year or he holds out and then he's on the list or whatever the deal is, that he's probably playing next year, uh, assuming that he's not in jail. 
with that assumption, you know, hey, it's a rebuild. This isn't my year. I can potentially buy the dip for Watson, get him at a discount. He's not going to cost you anything towards uh, your max points possible, which a lot of leagues have picked a termination that is weighed in with how many max points you could have scored in a season. So it's like having Dak last year. He was costing you nothing towards your max PF. He was a great player to buy if you were rebuilding because you're not hurting your chances at a better pick by having this guy on the roster. So uh, worst case scenario, you buy him in a rebuild is that he costs you nothing against what your pick is going to be. And then you have a first round caliber talent uh, going into the following season. Technically, it could blow up in your face. (laughs) But besides that, it should be all good. I'm going to touch on my last guy and then we're going to move on to running back. So my last guy, I'm not going to go super in depth about it. This is a guy to win now and later is Justin Herbert. The best is yet to come with him. I mean, this guy is rookie of the year for a reason. I think he was rookie of the year, even if Burrow was healthy. I think he was best quarterback we have seen out of that rookie class, and he was consistent with it. He was not a one-hit wonder, two-game wonder, three-game wonder. I mean, he did this thing for most of the season. He commanded the defense's attention. They adjusted coverage to him well, and he still performed well. He has a great pass-catching running back in Austin Eckler. I mean, probably the best pass-catching running back in the NFL at this point. He has the weapons to succeed. So I'm buying him. Buying him if I'm winning now or winning later. Even in rebuilds, I'm going to offer a huge buy. I think he is worth a huge uh, commitment in Dynasty because this is a guy who give you a little sneak peek into my rankings. I have this guy near the top, right? And all my rankings are super flex rankings. That's really the only league I play. Number one is Patrick Mahomes, of course. Number two, Kyler Murray. Number three, Lamar Jackson. Sitting at number four. It's going to probably cause a ruckus, is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is my QB4. QB5 is Josh Allen. I'm not saying the rest because that's for me to know and no one else to know. can tell you Justin Fields is top seven. So huge, huge Fields guy. Huge, huge, huge. Um, Justin Fields is higher than Trevor Lawrence for me. But going back to what's important, Herbert is fourth for me. He can easily end the year as QB2. If he can have a better season than Kyler Murray in his second year in the NFL, the sophomore slump season. If he can do that, he deserves that QB2 spot. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is getting dethroned, but something would happen. Torn Achilles or something, Patrick Mahomes. The ground would shake because I would have to adjust. You know, if one of these quarterbacks get hurt, Herbert moves up like easily. I only see his team getting better, getting younger as time moves on. Yes, he lost Hunter Henry. We have a guy like Donald Parnham who just comes out of nowhere. I'm still holding on to hope. <laughs> I don't think Mike Williams is anything, but you got people there like Josh Palmer, third round rookie, right? Josh Palmer can easily step up. And he's been the training camp darling in everything I've been reading. Herbert has weapons, so I'm buying him. Real quick, before you switch off of Herbert there, he's very close in mine as far as to where you have Herbert. Guy isn't even 24 years old yet. You know, the trainer on the team has to be his best friend. Opened the door and he never gave it back. Palmer was someone who was not on my radar before the draft or at least expected to go where he went. Kind of surprised they spent what they did on him. 
I like Mike Williams uh, until he hurts his back, and then I'll like him after he gets back from hurting his back until he hurts his back again. You know, last year he was just pummeling Keenan Allen with targets. Uh, maybe he uh, steps it up a little bit this year. Even with Hunter Henry gone, they did pick up Jared Cook, and, you know, while he's like, who knows, a couple hits away from exploding into dust, uh, they have a proven tight end ahead of one of my real late guys in McKitty. There's a lot to like with Herbert. He's someone who I think is valued as far as like a first round draft picks. So my brain works on 12 team super flex. So I'm right there with you. That's just the way I think if I can pay anything less than what a top 12 player is worth, then I I'm definitely buying Herbert as well. He looks like he could easily, you know, something crazy happens in NFL. He looks like a golden child. I mean, quarterback young, you know, grab the bull by the horns, West coast guy. Come on. Just going to move on to running backs. Cause I can stay on quarterbacks forever. Going to running backs, the position that I hoard. Some more screaming buys, right? Win now and win later. These are guys I'm buying with intentions to win now, but knowing they also will pay dividends later. Not going to go into, I guess, the down and dirty details, but I have him in every league. So Christian McCaffrey is one of my guys in my stable. I'm sure he is buyable. I haven't gauged the market on him because I own him. But, I mean, let's not forget, not last season, but the season before, he was Mr. 2K, right? He was a 1,000-thousand. That's not a common feat. So yep. I definitely think you can reach that again. He still is my RB1 in Dynasty. Jonathan Taylor is a very, very, very close second by five points. Um, Jonathan Taylor is a guy who I just love. I loved him in college. And it was only a matter of time till he got to the starting position in Indianapolis. I hated to see that Marlon Mack got hurt because I'm a huge Marlon Mack fan. But JT and Christian McCaffrey, they're win now and laters. I just don't know the market for them personally. A few guys I do know the market for are DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne to an extent, Miles Sanders. Okay, Those are guys that I am targeting as of now. Nick Chubb, if you can get somebody who doesn't trust that offense, I think Nick Chubb is the best pure running back in the NFL. Pure, like just talent-wise. Put him on any team, he will succeed. Put Derrick Henry on any team, I don't know if he succeeds like he did for the Titans. That's my explanation about Chubb. The last guy, when now and later, is... This might cause a ruckus, but Chase Edmonds. I'm a huge Chase Edmonds stand. I believe the hype. Okay. I believe that he's starting to become just a guy that I'm acquiring everywhere because he is tied to that Cliff Kingsbury offense. I have my opinion about Cliff. Okay. Do you remember the old St. Louis Rams, Lance Dunbar? Yep. Yep. He was on the uh, Cowboys as well. This guy reminds me of Lance Dunbar. Kind of like a, like a Deion Lewis thicker James White type of guy. <laughs> I mean, Chase Edmonds is... I'm looking at a picture right now on my phone of him. The show is about to start. It's about to start because this guy is jacked up now and he is going to be given a starting role. He didn't disappoint. He disappointed one week as a starter out of like six. So I'm buying him. I've offered 201, I believe, Tyler Boyd for him in the league. I got him there. Two quarterback league. I traded Matt Ryan for him. Some other trash. Sorry if you're listening to this show, but I traded you Matt Ryan and trash for Chase Edmonds. And I also traded. Now, this was very controversial in my league. People thought this was silly, but I traded a guy like Kareem Hunt for him. So Kareem Hunt had a great year, right? Kind of made his bread and butter last year, pass catching for the Cleveland Browns. But I do believe Nick Chubb is the guy there. And to align myself with practice, which you preach, right? Practice that Nick Chubb is the guy to own there. I sold Kareem knowing 
right? He had a lot of RB1 weeks last year. Chase Edmonds is a backup who is now a starter who didn't necessarily put solid RB1 numbers yet, but I see the risk still being high, but the reward being higher with Edmonds. He's a little bit in a better situation. You know Benjamin, ain't, <laughs> he ain't doing anything. James Conner, I mean, come on. He had one good year. James Conner, love his story. Love what he stands for. You can keep going. You can bounce back from anything. But, I mean, the guy is not the same football player he was in his first season and a half of football. And it might not be his fault at all. But I don't think he's stealing the job from Edmonds. So that's my spiel on Chase Edmonds. DeAndre Swift, I believe, could be a Christian McCaffrey light in a sense. I'm a huge Swift fan, right? This is a guy who kind of took the reins at, Flo- at Georgia. He reminds me a lot of the other running back I fanboy over, Miles Sanders. And he also reminds me of, like, I guess a healthy college Felix Jones from Arkansas. I mean, this guy, I'm trying to throw back. I'm kind of fishing right now for comps. All the way back. But, I mean, this, if I'm not mistaken, this guy ran like a 4-4-6, 40. I mean, huge explosion. He's only 22 years old. All honesty, Jamal Williams gets hurt. Is a thousand rushing yards, six, seven hundred receiving yards out of question for Swift? I don't think so. I think it's very possible. He might be the best receiver on that team. <laughs> I mean, hands wise, at least. Might be, I mean, this guy ball. So I am all in on Swift. I have traded J.K. Dobbins for him. I've traded Dalvin Cook for him. I've traded Michael Thomas for him. I have traded ballers for him. Ballers. I traded Kyle Pitts and Trey Sermon for him. Now, that was stupid cheap, I got him, but by the rookie hype, by the draft picks, right? The draft pick was 104, and maybe the last one was like 110 or whatever. Sermon went really high because it was a string of running backs. Went, Pitts went at 104. Look, if you're going to trade up for Pitts at 104, I applaud you. I'm a huge Pitts stand, but I would much rather DeAndre Swift. He is my RB4. That's how it goes. Um, last but not least, and then I'm going to switch it over to you. I do love Miles Sanders. Love Miles Sanders. I buy Miles Sanders every year. I'm hesitant right now because of the Boston Scott news, and supposedly he's going to split work to try to keep him healthy. And Jalen Hurts is now more of a run-style quarterback. They're tailoring the offense to fit his strengths. If they get Watson, I'm still buying Miles Sanders, but I'm kind of holding off. Pumping the brakes. I thought about it. I'm pumping the brakes. One more guy. I do have him later on in the show, but I'm going to bring him up now. Okay, Damian Harris is my guy. Saw him at Bama. Personally, he is... Just a massive person. Um, he's kind of like if ever you would see Zion Williamson person. And this is the biggest human being I've ever seen. I mean, shoulder to shoulder, he's about three feet, three or four feet. I mean, this guy is a, a giant. Um, Damian Harris looks way bigger than, he's 5'10", 210, something like that. He looks way bigger than that person. This guy does not have blazing speed, but he runs like a 4'6"-ish, 40. I mean, he can run. All of the camp news has been, he has been the first running back in every single type of drill. So that is running, that is catching, that is blocking, that's block recognition, that's everything. I mean, he even took a few snaps on special teams in practice. Of course, he's not going to be any top special teams player for him, but this is a guy who I think you can easily get cheap right now. Try to use his situation to your advantage, right? There's really not any set guy there. I, I definitely believe it's Damon Harris overall, but there's not any set guy there. They have Stevenson, the rookie. James White, I believe, is still there. Sony Michelle, which we know how that turned out. Use his situation to your advantage. I'd buy him. You could probably buy him for a second right now, I would believe. I don't know what kind of second. I mean, I'd sell for a second if I didn't need him. Go after him. 
That's uh, exactly where I'm at with Damian Harris. If I didn't need him and I was building for the future, I'm not sure he's someone who I can be like, oh yeah, he's definitely the starter in 2022. Uh, so if I you know, wasn't competing this year, I'm not sure. I do like Ramadre Stevenson, uh, a player who's taxi eligible. Uh, they do have Michelle and White there. They let Burkhead go. I don't know exactly how many RBs they're going to keep on their roster. Uh, so unless somebody's playing special teams, either Ramadre Stevenson is getting moved to the practice squad, which I hope not. If uh, someone's a surprise cut there, uh, you know, Ramadre Stevenson could have some uh, sneaky value in the future. He's not someone I'm paying a ton to get, but just, you know, uh, someone uh, to stash there. Damian Harris, I have him as a like a late RB2 this year. Uh, if I'm hurting at RB and I can get him as part of a package deal, then uh, I'm all for it. It's not someone I'm specifically going out of my way to get, but if you know if it's something where I can make the rest make sense, he's someone I'm willing to accept in a trade. The win now and later philosophy is how I approach win now. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear win now, they think that means go out and buy 30 plus quarterbacks and uh, wide receivers over 28. For me, it's more I want to target people who players who are young and still just now reaching their peak or pre-peak, especially here pre-preseason, because their value is likely to hold over years or increase think uh, with the Wentz news and then Nelson getting hurt, I think that creates a little tiny window where some people might uh, want to fade JT. If you run into that right guy, I would certainly be buying JT. Some people are out on Swift. In the Sleeper Wire Dynasty startup, I took Swift and Taylor as my first and second round picks. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift was the combo for that league. Any of those top four or five uh, sophomore RBs from last year, uh, I consider a buy. Get to Acres here in a minute, uh, only in rebuild. Gibson is someone who, uh, you know, there's uh, you're either on one side of the coin or you're on the other. You either look at his college production, and this guy wasn't even a running back until he got to the NFL. And I'm not sure if I can uh, trust on what he had last year. And he's got the toe, and they've got McKissick there, and they got Jarrett Patterson, and they still uh, they went out and they brought in Curtis Samuel. I don't know uh, if I can trust Gibson. Uh, he's someone I like. He's someone I'm still buying if I can get him around that uh, that same price range as like a Dobbins, as like uh, the top wide receivers on the board. He's someone I'm willing to buy as well. ETN, uh, a specific buy of mine as every time I select him, no matter where I select him, someone stands up in the crowd, takes off their hat, throws it on stage and yells, boo this man. Boo this man! Apparently, there's a lot of people out there who still own James Robinson and believed pre-NFL draft that he was going to be uh, their RB1 for their team this year and are having a hard time coming to grips with the fact that they paid a first-round uh, draft pick uh, in Jacksonville to select ETN. Yes, they brought in Carlos Hyde, but, you know, obviously there's a shower narrative that, you know, ETN, Trevor reunited. All in all, this guy was a fantastic uh, receiver at the collegiate level. A PPR 12-team league, ETN is someone who I just keep getting over and over again. Same thing with uh, Javante Williams. He's someone who slides down into the same tier often with like a, a Josh Jacobs or even the Miles Sanders, like you said. If he falls to that range uh, and you don't necessarily have to have the stud that starts the year, but you want the stud that finishes the year, Javante Williams is someone I'm targeting for now and in the future. 
I, I'm really happy that you like Sanders because I've been in on Sanders for quite a while. I was disappointed that they took Gainwell. I like Gainwell a lot, but apparently, like you said there, he's uh, not even running as the twos. It's Boston Scott. So if, and I mean, like they do have on Johnson on the team too. Uh, is Hertz going to dump a lot of passes short to Sanders? Uh, I hope so, but there's that common narrative that the rushing QB isn't going to feed his RB's passes. He's going to take off and run instead. You know, I have a, a lot of shares of Sanders. I really uh, hope he does well. I like the guy out of Penn State there, but obviously I think the worries are warranted, but I'm still buying uh, as one of the RBs right before the cliff where it just there's a dramatic drop in value after, you know, around the 20th RB. Guys that go right after that 20th RB would be like Edmonds and Hunt. Hunt has like one of the most voidable contracts next year. If he's cut and ends up on the Cardinals, then that would be fantastic for pretty much everybody except Edmonds. Uh, Edmonds is someone I like as well. I liked him last year. He's uh, 5'9", 200 pounds. He runs a 4.55. This uh, is not the 26-plus-year-old Connor. If he's the short yardage back and maybe he gets some of the touchdowns, that will... Uh, eat into Edmonds, but the price you have to pay for Edmonds is after the cliff of RBs anyway, so it's not like you're paying a drastic amount. I think this is somebody, especially in a PPR league, who can provide value and uh, is still young enough to provide value in the future as well. Chubb isn't someone necessarily I've been targeting, but he's younger than the Zeke and the Camara and the Cook, and the, obviously they just gave him the contract, so you know Chubb's going to be there. They've rewarded this guy. Um, it makes you think that there's no reason that the Browns are going to stop feeding Chubb over and over and over again. Lastly, before I hand it back to you here, I know I got long-winded here for a second. I am buying acres if I'm rebuilding. Not a lot of leagues do I actually think I'm rebuilding at this point in the offseason, right before preseason, but acres, if I know I'm rebuilding, uh, if, it, if the team is, has no shot this year, I think a lot of the... Uh, narratives floating out there right now are creating a buy window for acres. You know, it's like they look at historical data and say, you know, uh, look at all these RBs who didn't, uh, were not able to bounce back after an Achilles, but they're ignoring all these other positions that have bounced back for after an Achilles. Uh, back in the day, you had to leave the country to get some of the medical procedures that are available to them today. There's not a great comp to someone who was valued as high as acres, as young as acres, and having an Achilles in. Injury, I think there's a really good chance that he's able to bounce back. He may not have a whole ton of preseason value next year, but if he's able to bounce back, he could be a screaming value as some people are uh, all the way out on acres after looking at what I would consider dated medical possibilities. You, you might have to wait until people are over the fact that they've been drafting acres in the first round all offseason, let a little bit of that... Uh, pain wash away. Uh, but uh, once that does, uh, if I'm rebuilding, I'm trying to buy an acres. If, you know, I'm going to be watching Mac this year, if Mac bounces back, even if it's not directly related to whether acres will bounce back, if you see Mac out there looking good, like he's back to what he was uh, pre-injury, then indirectly...
acres value will rise because people will then be optimistic that acres can bounce back. So I think there's a little bit of a buy window right now. If you know you're rebuilding, if you want to get in on an acres, you could potentially have a stud for next year. 100% what you're saying. I actually have uh, Daryl Henderson one spot above Cam Akers in my rankings. So, and that's just based solely on, I was high on Daryl Henderson and I felt like it was going to be uh, a Todd Gurley, Trey Mason situation, right? Cam Akers takes it from Daryl Henderson. It sort of did kind of happen as the season unfolded, but then this freak injury happened and I went back, I sat about it about an hour and thought about it. And I said, well, okay, who does he remind me of? Thought about it, his play style, how he plays, what he's good at, what he's not athletically. And then athletically I thought about him. Okay. He's a lot like Ray Rice, Ray Rice. Yeah. Of course he had this whole different situation, right? That took him out of the NFL, but talent and stylistically Daryl Henderson can do it. The guy runs a four, four, whatever for you. He's strong. He's 200 plus. He's built solid, viable some weeks with acres there. So if I do have acres, I'm buying acres, trying to get both to where I just lock up the backfield. That's it. I'm worried about it. I'm worried about the Rams run game. I mean, you're hearing Xavier Jones' name being thrown out. You're hearing Jake Funk. You're hearing Darrell Henderson. You're hearing a bunch of different running backs right now for him. They are definitely in panic mode. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I do enjoy the narrative you talked about, though, that it is the Achilles. I mean, it's the it's a freak injury that just, it's so hard to come back from. There's been guys, and especially the running position, running back position where you're cutting, it has to be quick. So that's where I'm at on Acres. We'll see. We'll see, man. Tried to bring up Daryl Henderson to kind of lead us into this part of the show. The way that I rebuild, the way that I rebuild is I stack up on guys who I believe are talented. So usually backup running backs. Tony Pollard, I have him everywhere. He burned me year one in the Scott Fishbowl. I acquired him after that every single league. Kenny Gainwell, I have him everywhere. I love them. I have him in mostly Devi leagues, but I still own him. Chuba Hubbard, I own him because, as I said earlier in the show, I had to get him because I don't know how CMC is going to bounce back. He looks fantastic. I just don't know. I don't have uh, Stevenson because I'm a Damien guy, and if I don't hit on Damien, I don't want to play. Let's guess which one scores this week. <laughs> Three guys I'm buying everywhere, no matter my situation, are on waiver wire. Stevie Scott on my taxi squad, and then Travis Etienne. Like you said earlier, James Robinson fans have a sour taste in their mouth. You do have those fans that think James Robinson will, for some odd reason, be better than Etienne for fantasy. I don't believe it. So I'm getting him everywhere. He's my RB1 out of this rookie class. I know you have a lot of these names right here that you want to talk about rebuilding running backs. I'm interested to see you run through them. Well, briefly touched on Pollard, and I'm right there too. Uh, everybody loves to fade Zeke due to his total number of career carries, even if it's not calendar days in the NFL. There isn't like a real competition for, oh, if Zeke went down, then they'd split work. No, well, they have Pollard and they have nothing else. There's been little things saying they might use Pollard. I think there's a, a decent chance that he could still be flex-worthy, even when Zeke's out there playing. Uh, could be a lot of high-scoring games. Pollard could be something that has some value this year, is one of the best, highest upside cuffs you can have. Doesn't look as bad in the future either. Uh, you said Hubbard because you have CMC everywhere. I'm not someone who just likes to cuff any running back that I have. The cuff has to make sense, as in, as my starter goes down, 
is this guy I'm taking as the cuff, is he actually the cuff? Or does, if the starter goes down, they're going to sign somebody off the street and then, oh, boom, I don't actually have the cuff. I have someone who's behind a free agent they pulled uh, out of thin air. So I think with Hubbard, like he, if he had came out last year, uh, we would have been saying, you know, do we take Dobbins, Hubbard, or Akers as far as when you're ranking the rookie RBs for last year? And then he went back. And now he's in a spot where he's behind CMC. I think that uh, potential upside is still there. If uh, CMC goes down, which, you know, wouldn't be something we haven't seen for a long time. Uh, you see what happened to Mike Davis last year when uh, CMC went down. Mike Davis became a thing and played himself right into a contract for the Falcons. You know, if Hubbard gets a chance to run, I'm not really sure they have a, anything else back there. I'm sure they would sign somebody if CMC went down, but there's a good chance that Hubbard could be that uh, RBE want if, God forbid, CMC go down again. We talked a little bit about uh, Gainwell and Ramadre Stevenson. He's has someone I like as a talent. It just sucks that he's a New England RB, and you can just never trust a New England RB. It's like you, you rank the top RBs on the team, and no matter what you do every single year, it's the fourth guy that you weren't even thinking about who's the guy to own that season. It's just it just is just the way it goes when you own a New England Patriots running back. The last couple guys uh, might not be to everyone's fancies. Guys who are basically free are also able to be put on a taxi first would be Vaughn he's the only RB under contract next year Ronald Jones is going to be a free agent Fournette a free agent it's not like uh, Giovanni Bernard and his mustache is anything I'm really uh, uh, concerned about Vaughn was a uh, unhealthy obsession last year in drafts and there's a little bit of that hangover this year is thinking that you know maybe if I stash him just one more year maybe that could be something he's not necessarily even a young prospect but you know, opportunity is king, especially with uh, running back. As it sits at the moment, he would be the only one with opportunity next year. Obviously, things are going to change between now and then, but there's at least that little glimmer of hope, that uh, shred of a possibility for RBs well after the ones with known value go, where, you know, maybe you could find a, uh, something that appreciates in value over time. The last one is uh, one of my highest owned players, one of my highest owned running backs, and it's not because he's so great, it's just because he's so free. I've been taking him as a late fourth or fifth round pick in almost every rookie draft I've done in this offseason. Dokes is not someone who has a lot of NFL draft capital. Obviously, he was selected in the seventh round, but we know that uh, the Broncos jumped the Dolphins and sniped Javante Williams from them. And the Dolphins didn't take another RB all the way until the seventh round, the same round they selected Gaskin when they drafted him initially where they selected Dokes. Stokes is one of the biggest backs on the team, and he's just he's basically like a younger version of Malcolm Brown, who they also have on the squad. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Ahmed. Gaskin is someone obviously they like, who's proved he can be something in the NFL. Uh, he's proved that he can outperform his draft capital, but he still has that draft capital and level inve of investment. So I think there's uh, not a whole lot that would necessarily have to happen for Dokes to suddenly be worth something when you're picking through guys who you're probably going to end up having to drop because you're over players. Dokes is my favorite guy uh, once you get into that kind of range. You uh, mentioned Stevie Scott, which is great because I have no Latavius Murray. I don't want anything to do with Latavius Murray. 
Uh, Javian Hawkins was someone I was uh, willing to take in the fourth rounds uh, all off season. It's unfortunate that they just just signed Borman. That might not be great for undrafted free agent Javian Hawkins. You know, Olison was already running with the twos uh, in camp. So I, I hope good things for Javian Hawkins. I like him as a player, but the writing might be on the wall. He may, maybe he can land somewhere uh, somewhere else or uh, maybe rise uh, due to uh, injuries here in the preseason. Someone who recently has taken a ding to me. And then, like you said, uh, ETN, uh, my favorite buy to get boo for. Yeah, the Foreman news is uh hasn't been able to latch on, I guess, for two years. So I'm kind of holding on to that hope. He was an Achilles too, right? Yeah, I believe so. And, and I thought he was going to be that guy for the Texans. Really did. He was great in college. Anyways, so we are done quarterbacks and we are done running backs. I will kind of force the envelope and move the tight ends. And then we will jump back to wide receivers. My tight ends are... Just guys that are kind of getting training camp hype, but there's one guy I do want to hear what you have to say on. My guys that I'm buying right now, no matter my situation, are Irv Smith and Cole Komet. I think both can offer more, but this guy, I mean, I'm a Saints fan, so this is tremendous to see this in front of me. The Adam Troutman. Adam Troutman, he could be a monster this season. I mean, I'm all for Marquez Callaway. I'm all for Trey Smith. Adam freaking Troutman. Fish man. I mean, this guy... The buy of all buys at the tight end position. You can get him extremely cheap. Um, Yeah, he's hyped up, but he can be great. I mean, I thought he was the best tight end coming out of that class. Best pass-catching tight end in that sense. He is on most of my teams, but where I don't have him, I am definitely acquiring him if any tight end. So tell me about your love for Adam Trotman. So there's uh, 10 tight ends I like, and then there's a big tier of guys after that. Uh, The last two guys in those 10 tight ends I like are Troutman and Irv Smith, which I'm sure you'll be happy to hear. Uh, Irv Smith will be just turning 23 as the season starts. It seems like he should be older than that. He's still extremely young. He's younger than Troutman. But uh, with Troutman, we know... MT is having a second surgery and he's going to miss some time. And then immediately there's the diva drama on Twitter with uh, the team. There's a lot of outcomes at this point with what's going to happen with MT. Looking at least for the first half of the season, ignoring uh, that MT could come back later. Uh, we're looking at Callaway, Baker, and Traquan Smith. Uh, an undrafted free agent, a guy who hasn't broken out yet. And I don't know if you're a Baker's man. They have Kamara as an offensive weapon, and then who knows what is going to be next. If that next most valuable target on that offense is Troutman, you're getting him after a Higby, after a Logan Thomas, after a lot of uh, these uh, popular either way late tight end ones or early tight end twos who you're playing on streaming. The best part about Troutman is if you call it, it's Troutman and it's not you were just a year early because odds are it's going to happen next year. I'm right there as far as uh, Troutman got a, a lot of shares. He's someone who I just is the best tight end on the board for me before he is the best tight end on the board for a lot of the public. Absolutely love Troutman. And that's not to mention that, you know, if MT's down, then how good is Jameis Winston going to be? Even if Jameis Winston starts week one, how many picks is he going to throw in the first half before Taysom Hill comes in? Because he doesn't have a Mike Evans to throw up a jump ball to. He doesn't have an extreme talent like Godwin. 
I'm worried that Jameis Winston, even if he starts week one, plays himself out of a job because the best way to move the ball when you don't have any wide receivers might be the poor man's Josh Allen in Taysom Hill. What do you think about their quarterback situation? You said you're a fan. Jameis gives them the best chance to win, but I think this is a dumpster fire right now this season. I have a lot of bets for the Saints to finish top two in the division. After the MT news, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe if we could ground and pound, fine, but um, I don't know, man. I mean, I like Marquez Callaway, but he's definitely not an alpha receiver. I mean, this will have to be the true West Coast type of offense. I really don't know. I would love for Taysom Hill to just be electric somehow, some way, but I don't think he's a starting kind of guy. We'll see. It'll be interesting. I don't know. I'm not too excited. We just stuck with Jameis. Well, you got one year, and then it might be different next year because Taysom got this big old voidable contract, so big old fake contract. I'm not sure if uh, he's back next year or if Winston is going to win a job next year. He's going to have to do it with not a lot of help. So this is going to have to be 2020 Jameis Winston, not, you know, 3030 Jameis Winston. If anything, I hope they tank for Sam Howell, the quarterback from North Carolina. Love the dude. I would have a heart attack if he was a saint. So anyways, that's the tight end goodness for the few and far between. Easy to find. So that's the tight end of the day. Now we're on to the wide receivers. Great wide receivers that you could talk about. We have a few guys that are buys and dynasty rebuild guys for me are marcus calloway henry ruggs if the price is right okay i'm not going to spin rugs like people drafted him last year but i do think he can be a decent buy if he fits your roster you're in need of that you know coin flip flex i would rather him than say a guy like marquise brown i'd rather henry ruggs or marquise brown personally another guy i like is michael gallup free agency coming up i mean now is the time to buy him because Free agency, he definitely could be the best receiver in free agency next year. Or Maury Rogers. Maury Rogers is getting forgotten because of the zombie of Randall Cobb that somehow showed up in Green Bay. <laughs> By him. Denzel Mims, especially if he gets traded. I'm a very, very avid fan of his talent, especially being what he did that could translate to the NFL level. I just think the Jets are shitty and they don't use him the right way. So I would grab Denzel Mims. Brian Edwards already talked about him. I mean... I thought he was the best receiver on the team last year. He did get hurt. That's why he did what he did. But he's a guy I own everywhere. I mean, I drafted him. The only other guy, I kind of target older guys on now teams that I can win later with. So maybe a Tyler Lockett, if a lot of people are selling him. But price is right. Buy him. I mean, he will probably be the number two. That might be better for his game now. He will become that older, reliable guy. Him and Russell Wilson already have this camaraderie between them that has been there for a long time now. So I'm very interested to see your names because Lavishka is a guy, I own him everywhere. If I didn't, I'd buy him. T. Higgins, I talked about him. Shad Bateman, I didn't buy him yet. I've drafted him a few places. But after today's news, I don't know that investment this season. So I'm looking at your names. Kind of fill me in. Now I'm going to give it to Iowa to wrap up these wide receivers. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to start off with the guys that you liked because there's, there's a lot of parallels there. Edwards is someone I was what ended up being overdrafting in the second round all last year. He's someone I liked then. He's got a day two draft capital. He was picked basically right there with Bowden. Unfortunate situation has befallen him there. But there's some reports that he's running with the ones. Uh, Ruggs being the player that he is, I'm not sure he's 
ever going to be like the alpha for a team. They did go out and get John Brown thoughts out there that, you know, the old head might be the the passing leader on the team. But I like Brian Edwards. He's, you know, super young. He's inexpensive compared to all the other guys that were going in like the second round last year. He gets taken after a Ruggs and a Rager. One of the more affordable young guys has similar upside to guys taken before he ever gets taken or valued higher than he is valued. Mims, everyone always has something to say about Big 12 wide receivers. I think the solution is to just break up the Big 12 and give half of it to the Big 10 and half of it to the SEC, and then no one can complain about Big 12 wide receivers anymore. Last year, obviously, that didn't necessarily materialize, and then they go out and they get Elijah Moore, and they bring in Corey Davis. I'm not sure what to think as far as what's going to happen with Mims. He might be the one getting the short stick. Like you said there, you suggested he might be traded. That would be awesome to see. See him actually go to the Packers who could have drafted him when they had a chance or something. uh, Somewhere where he could fit in. And speaking of Packers, you said Amari Rodgers, and I'm so glad you did. Because uh, if it's last dance for the Packers this year, uh, Adams is gone next year. MVS isn't going to be the best guy on their team. Lazard isn't going to be the best guy on their team. Cobb came there for Rodgers. I'm not sure he would be the best guy on the team. So who does that leave? The only wide receiver they've drafted for, you know, who knows how long. And they actually paid decent draft capital for him. So they finally did. So maybe, maybe Amari Rodgers next year. Maybe he takes a leap in value. Uh, so he's someone I like to buy now at what he costs now because he's definitely someone who could increase in value in a year's time. Briefly touched on Higgins. We know that's uh, an offense uh, I'd like to have pieces of. Uh, I really like Ayuk. He's young, and I'm hoping he can continue to fill what would be like the Julio role in that offense. They've got Debo, and they've got an assortment of running backs, and they have my boy Kittle there. But that's a lot of the short to intermediate stuff. So if IU can absorb some of that in his own right and be the deep ball guy for a cannon of an arm like a Lance, I'm all in on Ayukin. Uh, Chenault is uh, one of my more higher owned players, another player I was taking in the second round of a lot of drafts last year. He's built like a wide receiver who can be an alpha on the team, more so than how a Chark is built, and Chark's a free agent next year. So he he literally could be uh, the number one for the season as early as the beginning of the year or as late as next year. Uh, I know people like Marvin Jones, and in all reality, he's probably a good redraft target. I just think... Uh, you know, Chenault's time is coming. He was dealing with uh, injuries uh, last year and started uh, turning it on towards the end of the season. Him paired to Trevor Lawrence for the foreseeable future is just like, what? what's not to love with Chenault? I wrote up a lot of these yesterday, and then today Bateman is injured in practice, which is extremely disappointing because I personally like Bateman more than like a Devonta Smith and more than a Waddle. It, not that it's super far, but it's it, it would be my preference in uh, rookie drafts with these guys on the clock. I've typically been trying to trade back just because I know I can get Bateman a little bit later. He fits Lamar like a glove. What he's good at running is what Lamar is good at throwing, too. I just feel like they couldn't have created a wide receiver in a lab who was going to fit what Lamar needed better searching within the NFL draft this season. Like we said, hurt today. Uh, I'm not sure the uh, extent of that or if anybody knows just yet. 
Uh, hopefully it's not something that's a long-term thing. If it is a short-term thing, then just like we were saying earlier, it might be an opportunity to buy the dip if people get out on him early. If Sammy Watkins comes out, blows up week one like he does every single season and then disappears for the rest of the year, uh, it could be, you know, it could be Bateman and Andrews there. Jerry Judy, you know, last year it would have been blasphemy to hear someone saying they like Ayuk over Jerry Judy, but that's just the state of what things are right now. Quarterback situation is a little messy, but they had an opportunity to get some quarterbacks in free agency and they wanted to get a stud if they were going to get a quarterback. Uh, they didn't end up getting one of them. They didn't end up trading for Rodgers during the draft. Does that mean that's where Rodgers is going next year? Because, I mean, if Rodgers goes there next year, then I really love Judy. Uh, Sutton's a free agent after this year, so that's just one more guy that could be off the squad. I like uh, Hamler, another guy from Penn State, as someone who could potentially step up. They still have Tim Patrick. Judy, you know, being the route runner that he is, that's the kind of player that could just last forever and ever in the NFL if he ends up being awesome. He's definitely somebody I'm targeting. Wrap it up here quickly as far as with the wide receivers. Fuller is someone I target for uh, partially strategic reasons. Um, in all my leagues, I have an IR where if somebody's hurt, or someone's suspended or whatever, I could slide them into the IR spot and I can pick up somebody. Depending on the depth of your bench, that value of what that roster spot is, is worth consideration outside of extremely deep leagues. So with Fuller, yep, he's suspended week one right now. He gets you an extra roster spot pan for gold. Using last year as an example, it would afford you an opportunity to pick up a James Robinson to see if he was going to pan out, and then boom, you know, you find gold in the rough because you had an extra roster spot because you had a guy like Fuller who slid onto IR. Fuller has been a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two when he was healthy, but obviously that was with Watson. Two isn't exactly the same caliber, at least not regarded as such yet. But all the wide receivers are hurt there. You know, if Fuller could emerge as the alpha and the main uh, passing target there, at least while he's healthy until he gets popped for PEDs again, which might correlate with being healthy. Not sure. He's someone who I like to get at a discount. Some people are completely out just because of the suspensions and the injury history. He's not old yet. If you could uh, get him cheaply, he's not someone I'm targeting as the main part of a deal, but someone I like. And then obviously Gallup, this guy could likely be a free agent next year. He could, you know, he could wind up playing uh, across the field from Chenault next year, for all we know. Uh, he, there's a lot of possibilities as far as where he can go. He's built like a guy that you could be the main wide receiver on a team, assuming they don't bring him back. As far as this year, last year as the wide receiver three, he was still valuable. And that was with like Dalton at quarterback. So then, you know, obviously with Dak back, I don't know why I'd think that he would do any worse than what he did last year. And what last year was, was ownable and playable. So it just doesn't seem like he's valued that highly as someone who you would have that expectation for. Uh, so Gallup would be a buy for me in uh, all my leagues there as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's very good that we are aligned in that area. And that, I mean, I didn't really sway your way on a few things, but mm -hmm. I understood where you were coming from on some things that I didn't necessarily agree on. So fortune telling for the future. Uh, we will have a show about dynasty sales coming up. Off-season movers, rankings adjusting based on the off-season, key situations and storylines to pay attention to, and taxi squad show. Glad you're still listening. I need you to stay tuned for the future episodes because the plan is to have each one build up, right? Each one leading to the next. So it's going to be like a big storybook. I'm excited. You just got excited to uh, allude to it. We just did all the buys. Well, what do you think comes next? It's the sells, right? So who can you get off your roster to buy some of these guys we talked about? I mean, some people we're going to talk about is obviously some quarterbacks. Then we have 
some running backs that we will butt heads on. I promise you this. Uh, Quarterbacks-wise, I'm selling Patrick Mahomes. Why? Well, tune in and you're going to find out. Then, guys, because I'd stay here all night talking about this, DeAndre Hopkins. I can't sell him. I'm very excited. Uh, this was a great show. I hope all of you tuning in loved it. I'd like to once again welcome Iowa to the show. I mean, this has been a great time. I think he has a bright future and very excited for what is in store. Mr. Iowa, would you like to say anything to the listeners before we sign off? Just thank you for having me on here. Uh, everyone uh, connected in the Sleeper Wire Network, a whole bunch of great guys. Uh, really uh, proud to be a part. Really proud to uh, have an opportunity to uh, work on some of the shows and then appear here with you. Find me on Twitter at Iowa in the NFL, I-O-W-A-I-N-T-H-E-N-F-L. Most of all, just appreciative to be able to uh, get on the mic with, with such a smart guy here. Thank you, DG. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, man. That is it for the Dusty Wire show. I am your host, DG. And for me in Iowa, this is goodbye. See you next time. It's just, it just is just the way it goes. I would have a heart attack if he was a saint. Taylor Swift was the combo for that league. It's going to be like a big stored book. Has some value this year. Is one of the best, highest upside cuffs. He burned me year one in the Scott Fishbowl. I acquired him after that every single league. Last dance for the Packers this year. I think that potential upside is still there. Young and just now reaching their peak. DG? Ballers. Iowa. Ballers. Dynasty. Ballers. Dusty Wire Show Ballers Sleeper Wire Network Ballers